following podcast contains spoilers and words like and gosh Mate, did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to We Watched a Thing. It's your boy, the B-Dizzle, and Topha is not with me again this week because, yeah, I, I don't know. How long did it take you to recover from you having a baby, Sam? <laughs> oh, I don't think you ever really do, do you? No, that's true. <laughs> end of the show. <laughs> uh, as you can hear by the sultry, sweet New Zealand tones that are joining me, our great friend Sam Hurley from Movie Reviews and 20 Qs has volunteered to jump in this week in Topher's place. How you been, buddy? I've been great. I've been really good. I um, very much was looking forward to coming back on your show. It's been a whale <laughs> of the time when we did Titanic, and I'm very excited to be back. Titanic was great, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, that was an awesome 100th episode. That was just Pure class. And now you get to come back for something almost as good, which is exciting. <laughs> Some people would argue even better, I think. And <laughs> those people should probably see a mental health professional. <laughs> All right. So this week we're going to look at Hubie Halloween, which is a 2020 American comedy horror film directed by Stephen Brill and written by Adam Sandler and Tim Hurley. It stars Sandler, Kevin James, Julie Bowen, Ray Liotta, Rob Schneider, June Squibb, Keenan Thompson, Shaquille O'Neal, Steve Buscemi and Maya Rudolph. Heck of a cast. And I'm going to make you do this. What's it about, Sam? <laughs> Okay, so I can give you the first 45 minutes, which I watched intently, and then the second 45 minutes was a bit of a blur of me just scrolling endlessly on my phone. But basically, Adam Sandler plays uh, Hubie Dubois, who is a man who's completely obsessed with Halloween, and he's taken it upon himself to enforce Halloween safety around the town of Salem in Massachusetts, which most people remember as being home for the witch trials. And yeah, there's kind of a few shenanigans afoot, you know, there's, um, it sort of turned, it starts off as a comedy, but it sort of starts turning into a horror, horror thriller mystery in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yep. So I think you kind of alluded to it there when you said that you stopped watching about 45 minutes in intently. I'm guessing you didn't dig this film. Uh, I'll save it till the end. I feel like I'm playing my cards a little too early here. I'll I'll save it till we get our scores, but I mean, it's going to become immediately (laughs) obvious to anybody what I thought about this film. Let's start off with some Sandman chat, because you and I have been friends for a couple of years now. I don't think we've ever discussed Adam Sandler together. (laughs) Yeah, he's kind of uh, a part of my childhood that I try to forget in a lot of ways. (laughs) Yeah, well, you and I are around the same age, and I know that certainly, you know, like 90s Sandler was, was king, man. Like... When I think back to my childhood, there's a lot of Sandler going on in there. Oh, absolutely. Like, I would be very ashamed to admit how many times I've seen Happy Gilmore or The Waterboy or Billy Madison. I mean, I used to watch those films just, like, religiously. And it's it's sort of one of those things of, like, I think as you grow up, you actually start watching other films and you realise, hang on, I've actually been really, really watching some absolute garbage. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was one of the best things I've ever read was a, a review of Joker from um, last year and all the review said was if you've never swam in the ocean of course a swimming pool seems deep (laughs) (laughs) I thought was fucking gold but yeah that that kind of feels like what you're saying there like you know when you're that young Adam Sandler movies are you think they're amazing and then then you watch some actual good movies and you're like yeah okay (laughs) but I gotta say I still think that the dude has a ton of charisma and I still think he's he can be pretty funny yeah, when he's on point, he's actually like very enjoyable. And like, even some of his old comedy CDs, I used to have those. Listen to them quite a bit as a kid. You know, like he 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 does have some acting chops and he does have some skills. You know, like 
regardless of how I didn't really enjoy, um, oh, what is it, Uncut Gems, I still appreciated him for what he was doing in it for at least trying. And, you know, it's like at least he tries. I'll give him that. Like at least he tries. Yeah, I think we're on about the same page there because I, I liked but didn't love Uncut Gems. No. Um, which is, I guess, kind of how I feel about a lot of Sandler, really. <laughs> he is very take it or leave it to the point that there's not a single one of his films that I don't think I could ever rate over an 8 out of 10. You know, like I really enjoyed Punch Drunk Love. I thought that was pretty good. I thought Funny People was all right, but there's not too many of his films that I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll happily put it on nowadays. It's still got a little bit of a fond spot for Happy Gilmore, but yeah. even still. No, I still, yeah, I rewatched Happy Gilmore earlier this year, and I still think that that's, that holds up pretty well. As far as his 90s comedies go, I think that holds up the most as a film. That and maybe like The Wedding Singer. Like some of the oh, others, yeah. like, like you know, Billy Madison, you look back on it. And that's kind of the way I feel about Hubie Halloween too. It feels more like a collection of skits, like watching an SNL episode. And like, you know, some of them are good, some of them aren't. But as a whole, I don't think it really works as a film. Yeah. I, I think if you substitute the word shits for skits, it does feel like... A- <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, I laughed quite a bit in this film, man. I laughed way more than I thought I would. Like, I, I haven't watched any of the Netflix Sandler films. I, I don't think, apart from Uncut Gems, I don't think I've seen a Sandler film since maybe like two thousand four or something. So I, yeah, I typically tend to put them on when I'm hungover and I don't need to think. So yeah. I know I've seen. I, I haven't watched Ridiculous Six. There's a couple of those other ones I haven't watched, but I know I've seen that murder mystery that he did uh, last year or the year before with Jennifer Anderson. I know I watched that. Yeah. I mean, I've kind of tended to avoid them because I've heard they were so bad and I wouldn't have watched this one if it weren't for the show. But I've got to say, this was heaps better than I expected. I, I reckon I laughed out loud at least 15 times, which for a comedy, that that's actually more than you realize. I'll, I'll tell you now, that's probably about 14 more times than I laughed out loud. <laughs> Oh, come on. Come on. You got. All right. Let's get it. There are some running gags here that are hilarious. June Squibb is adorable in this movie. And every time she pops up and you look at what her t shirt says, you have a little chuckle to yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Laugh at kayaking gets me wet. (laughs) uh, There there was a couple of like internal chuckles, like Muff's diving school. I thought that was kind of funny. (laughs) uh, Like. It's, yeah, they've, they've taken a taken a stab at that, and Bona Dona comes out strong at the start. Yeah, <laughs> I you know like yeah okay, but it's for me it's just like entry level comedy like like I I used to wear funny t shirts when I was going out trying to score girls back when I was eighteen to twenty years old, and I, I left that part of my life a long time ago. <laughs> and so when I see that in this, I'm like, oh okay, right. <laughs> that's true actually i used to have a mad collection of t-shirts and i realized just the other day actually that i don't have a single t-shirt anymore now i'm in that phase of life where it's all button-ups <laughs> oh, we're like I haven't even, transitioned to that yet but yeah it's so like even my casual shirts are like button-ups now and i'm like i miss like the cool slogans you know like i used to have this one that said have you hugged my t-shirt today that used to get me some action <laughs> <laughs> any female action or just dudes yeah mostly dudes yeah <laughs> <laughs> But any port in a storm, Sam. Yeah, oh, absolutely. absolutely. All cats are grey in the dark, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, but there were a couple of other running jokes. I thought that, like, the idea of the thermos really, really gave me a chuckle. And every time you see it doing something new to the point where it's it, when, when it became a literal grappling gun, I could not stop laughing for a good minute. <laughs> that was very funny to me. 
I'm happy for you. I'll put it that way. I'm happy that you got enjoyment out of this film. I'm not going to be like Topher and just completely disagree with what you just said. I'm just going to say I'm happy for you. <laughs> so you said that you laughed maybe once. Do you recall what that was at? Absolutely. I remember what it was at. And and I say it was at something because it was at the movie. It wasn't with the movie. So, And it, it is quite possibly the most mindless throwaway joke that they've inserted into this film. But it was the one that I laughed at. And it's when he rescues the cat off the road. And then he goes to give it back to the cat's owner. And she starts mouthing him out. And then Julie Bowen shows up and just starts like putting the cat owner in its, in its place, basically. Putting her in her place. And then it has a shot of the cat owner and the cat. And the cat's eyes have gone large and comically wide. To the, and it's like they just sort of keep winding and winding and winding to the place it looks like they've been replaced by googly eyes. And so I laughed at the film because I thought, somebody thought this was going to crush. Somebody thought this was hilarious. And this was going to be like the penultimate thing they do is like, let's make the cat's eyes go ridiculously wide. So I laughed at that person for thinking that was funny. I well, legitimately, that was it. That was it. Well, in a, in a way that you're laughing at me because I did think that was funny. <laughs> There we go. There we go. <laughs> I, I got to say, I think that this movie, in a, in a lot of ways, it really worked for me. I think, you know, it's not it's not a smart film, and you should not go in expecting this to be, you know, like even like as far as comedy goes, like there's smart comedy, like like Arrested Development, for example, and yeah. then there's this, which is kind of season fifteen and above Simpsons, where it's like you're laughing, but it's not. You know, you shouldn't feel good about laughing at this film, but you can't help it anyway. It's kind of charming. Oh, yeah, like especially that part where there's been a female voice over the radio the whole time and he gets to <laughs> yeah. the radio station and it's Shaq. Oh, yes. Like, it's Shaq. Oh, yeah. man, that's just crushing, that is. It's amazing. <laughs> I I thought that was funny. Like, and that's, I knew that's, you'd laugh at that. <laughs> but, but the thing for me is at least this film knows what it is. Like, this film knows that it is ridiculously stupid and it's not trying to be anything other than that. And I think when it really leans into that is like, yeah, this is dumb. Like that's when it's at its funniest, when it just takes glee in how stupid it is. But do you watch this film and sort of start feeling really, really sorry for Steve Buscemi and Ray Liotta and what's happened to their careers? Um, Ray Liotta a little. Steve Buscemi, I think, crushes in this film. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> you oh didn't you God. didn't you didn't laugh at him gluing hair on his arms? <laughs> no. Like that, <laughs> I have gonna to become kind of, a recurring theme throughout this podcast. <laughs> no. I have to kind of admire what this film did though, because like I said, I think it knows entirely what it is. It knows that it's not a good movie. And I think it just takes complete glee in that. And in doing that, there are times where it kind of makes these little subversions. Like, that's something we haven't seen before. Someone who just believes they're a werewolf to the point that they glue, you know, hair on their own. When they went to his house and there was the pile of poo on the floor. I know that I'm like a 12-year-old boy here, but that was really, really funny to me. I think you're being generous by saying 12 there, Billy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, well maybe let's maybe let's not focus on the comedy for now then because we're we're just disagreeing, which is fine. yeah, absolutely. That's, and, and, that's- like you, and you you do say that it's a comedy, but like it, it I, I I'll give it this: it was very surprising how much it lent into the horror and the mystery aspects. I I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Okay. So you and I we're we're both big horror movie fans. We tend to watch quite a lot of horrors. I'm assuming that this did not scare you. <laughs> oh no, not at all. No. No, just similar so, yeah. to how a lamb's head in the meat display wouldn't scare me. 
<laughs> what I liked, uh, yeah, I like the way that it kind of leaned into the horror genre without actually being a horror itself. But it's not quite a spoof either. Like, this isn't scary movie. What it does is kind of picks up a lot of those horror movie tropes, but kind of plays with them a little, which as a horror movie fan, yeah, I found quite fun. Yeah, I mean, like, I'll, I'll give it this. There were aspects and parts of it that were genuinely quite surprising with, in how, when they leant into it. Like, the one bit that immediately springs to mind is when that kid that's been tormenting him that he works with is, like, out in the cornfield and then just suddenly gets shot out of a cannon, like, backwards through the maze. I was like, well, that's, well, okay, that was a bit of a surprise, a bit of a shock. Yeah, yeah, and I'm still not sure exactly... How that ha- when you later find out, you know who the the baddie is. Um, how did that scene actually work? <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah, no, that, <laughs> absolutely. But one thing I really did love, and I'm sure you're going to disagree with me because you have about absolutely everything else so far, <laughs> is the production design. I thought like the the color design of the film, the palette, the the actual set design, and everything. This. Like I, I, I love Halloween, which and you're probably the same being in the Southern Hemisphere. Halloween isn't really a thing. Like, you know, it's starting to pick up a little bit, it's not really a thing. Um, but I love Halloween and particularly I, I really love New England. I spent Halloween in New England a couple of years ago and I, I just think that this film feels like Halloween more than just about any other film does in its production design. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it that. It's one of those things that when for me personally, if I, I, I was, I'll say I was raised pretty well by my mother, and she sort of taught me to look for the best in things, even when they're complete rubbish. And <laughs> yeah. like, I like, I will say that my mind started going to like, okay, well, what has this film got going for it? And you're right, like the production design and the way it's shot, and um, you know, the sets and stuff like that. Like you're right, like they've they've clearly taken a bit of effort into putting them on, putting them, yeah, you know, putting work into them, basically, yeah. Yeah, like I actually think the cinematography and lighting is really smart. Like just about every single shot in the film has elements of orange and black together in it. And it's like even for kids like us who didn't really grow up with Halloween, there's something about that holiday that gives you this weird sense of nostalgia, which I think is perfect for this film because the film in itself really is like there's no point in seeing this film if you didn't like old Adam Sandler movies. No, so I think absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think really playing to that nostalgia is a really smart thing to do because you're kind of getting double whammied. You're like, oh, I feel like a kid because I'm watching a dumb Adam Sandler comedy. And there's something about that color palette and that holiday that inherently makes you, you know, it's all about candy and stuff. It makes you feel like a kid. Oh, so that's why you got lured in. It was the food. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, you know I like food. <laughs> I may have had some fried chicken while watching. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, I'm yeah. jealous. But yeah, you're right. I mean, like like as you said, I mean, New Zealand and Halloween are just two foreign concepts, basically. I mean, it's just a foreign concept down here, really. And I mean, we, we, went, trick-or-treating, we went trick-or-treating as a kid. And literally every house we went, we were like 12 years old or whatever, but like every house we went to just basically told us to get lost. And then yeah, there was one same. guy that gave one of us like $10 and then he, that kid came back and said, hey, that guy over there's given us 10 bucks. And so we all just went and tried to ram raid that guy's house. And like that was the extent <laughs> of us trying to get money or trying to get food or trying to get tricks or anything. So yeah, or tricks or treats or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that sounds similar to us. Me and my friends used to go every year from, yeah, like 10 till maybe 13, 14. We rarely got anything. These days, you know, like we we take our kids trick-or-treating these days. And I mean, you're a bit more careful. These days, people who are going to be into it put a little decoration or a balloon out or something. So, you know, okay, this place isn't going to tell us to get fucked. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But even, even without really celebrating it, I just think there's something so 
childlike about the holiday that just makes you feel kind of warm and gooey inside when you see a movie like this. Yeah, warm and gooey. That pretty much describes Adam Sandler in this film. <laughs> warm and gooey. Um, can I ask then, while we're talking about the Sandman? Yes. The voice. How were you with the voice? I watched it with subtitles on. I got about 15 minutes in and I was like, I don't actually understand a single word this guy is saying at the moment. Okay. I didn't have the same issue. When I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, fuck, really? Like, we're back to that well? Yeah, But once the movie was actually on, I kind of was okay with it. I felt like it it felt more like a character choice than some of the other times I feel like he's done it. You know, like you think back to the Waterboy, I think that really is just making fun of people. Whereas this, you know, didn't seem so nasty to me. I, I, I did feel like- it it felt much more like a realized character, I think. I feel like he has doled it down a bit. Like we we did an episode on the Waterboy, and on rewatch, you you suddenly realize exactly how just patronizing it is to people with mental disability. And yes, for this that's one, right. he's for this one, he's totally got rid of that aspect of mental disability. It's more just a guy who's just lacking all confidence and you know maybe a bit of social development. He's just sort of playing it to a guy who's. Bizarrely taken it upon himself to become the the monitor of Halloween activities, and you know he's pretty oblivious to the world around him. But at the same time, he's not he's not going for that stock standard nineties laugh of "Hey, look at the dum dum," you know. Yeah, that's how I felt. It, it's not. It doesn't feel nasty or like it's poking fun at someone. It just, yeah, I think it feels a little bit more fleshed out, which most of the other characters don't like. <laughs> I love oh, yeah. Julie Bowen, but what is her character in this film? <laughs> I had serious problems with that character. I mean, she legitimately goes like head over heels in lust every time she sees him for no reason whatsoever. It's it's bizarre, for, even from the start. And then the the final, I mean, obviously, spoiler alert, why would you, <laughs> I mean, we've covered everything in this film, but the, the final scene where she starts making out with the camera, that yeah. to me was like, oh man, like you, surely she knew as an actress while she was doing it was like, I better hope Modern Family keeps going because I need that money. I need you know, those residuals because I'm never acting again after this. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. If you're friends with the Sandman, you could act for life. Like, we can sit here and rag on this movie. Clearly, people are watching it. This is what, like, his seventh or eighth Netflix in this deal? Like, yeah. Netflix are pretty smart and savvy. I don't. They wouldn't keep this going unless there was something really in it for them. Um. So I don't know, man. I think if you can line up with with Sandler and get get into his kind of circle of friends, like you know, Bichet, like fucking, wow, oh, what's that dipshit's name? Who is a carrot? Rob Schneider. <laughs> like <laughs> Rob Schneider is really these days only known as Adam Sandler's friend. But I don't know. He's clearly making a living off it. <laughs> he is. Kevin James, another one, just popped yeah. up in all these films. Even Steve Buscemi, I'm trying to remember like the last film he was in that wasn't an Adam Sandler film. He, they just Adam Sandler just keeps to keep these guys, keeps to somehow keep these guys going. It's, yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah, but uh, I on on the cast, I thought that most of the cast were pretty great, and most of the cameos were were strong. I think like just about you know like you you kind of had a bit of a thing about the Shaq one. I, I thought that that was pretty funny. And, like, if you're going to put Shaq in a film, that's the way to do it, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, you've got to recognise his extent, I think, is the best way to describe <laughs> yes. it. So you need to put him in something that, you know, he can live up to, yeah. That's right. Do, put him in a role where it's not even really him saying the lines for more than half of it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Maya, Ra- Maya Randolph, I... 
quite like her. I, I think she's quite a good actress. And when she popped up in this, I, I felt sorry for her. I genuinely felt sorry for her. Her and Tim Meadows. I like Tim Meadows as well. I think he's a very underrated comedic actor. Yeah, I usually like Tim Meadows. Um, I've seen him in some very funny things. I did not like him in this. He was the one oh, part him. that I just couldn't stand. Every time they popped up. And yeah, same. I quite like Maya Rudolph. Every time those two popped up, I was like, nah, please move on. Like, this isn't working for me. It's just a sad film. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like what what is there? It's like there's nothing there. Let's talk let's talk about the twist. What do you think about the twist at the end? Where it's revealed who the the mystery uh murderer, well she is a murderer in the end, but when the twist comes out, were you genuinely shocked by that? Um I was actually. I don't think that that's in a good way. It's not like the kind of shock you know, sometimes there's a twist in a movie or show where you're like, oh, whoa, like I didn't see that coming and that's for these reasons. It's because it was it was a really clever twist or things like that. In this case, it took me by surprise, but I was a little bit like, oh, okay, <laughs> like I guess. <laughs> um, so while I was surprised by it, I wouldn't say I loved the twist. Did you see it coming? I, I did not see it coming. The purely for the reason why, purely, I mean, obviously, the reason why I didn't see it coming is we're supposed to believe that a, a, an infirm woman who's in her probably 80s or 90s is somehow physically capable of tossing guys about 100 feet into the air or 100 feet behind her. You yeah. know, it. It became unbelievable. Uh, okay, that being said, I will sort of add a caveat to that that she might be a witch, so she might have supernatural powers. That's true. I mean, she does do some witchy stuff like right at the end, doesn't she? She like disappears into thin air. Yeah, doesn't she just fly off cackling? Isn't it at the end of the film? Maybe. That sounds familiar. I may have tuned out a little by the end as well. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm struggling to pull out. They're like, what happened next? What happened next? What happened next? (laughs) But I did like, like on that. And that's, I guess, why I was saying earlier that it felt like a little bit of like a collection of SNL skids. There are a lot of threads going on in this movie. For a fairly short, fairly silly comedy, um, there's a whole lot of stuff that just kind of happens. You know, like even like the Steve Buscemi werewolf stuff, that has nothing to do with what happens at the end of the film, but it takes up a good 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> it does. It does. It. It's kind of bizarre. It's almost like they've tried to add to the runtime you know like i feel like this movie was probably written like right we've got 45 pages that's what 45 minutes you know what can we come up with oh how about i rig up steve buscemi and see if he wants to be a werewolf perfect okay sweet let's write 15 pages around that yeah and that's one thing where i think the industry needs to change and we've seen that you know with the revelation of streaming you look at tv like tv used to very strictly be 22 minutes and 42 minutes to leave your advertising time and then when they started going to streaming they were like you know what this can be whatever length we want. It can be 33 minutes. It can be 57. Like, no one gives a shit. With cinema, there's still this whole thought that a movie needs to be at least 90 minutes. And I wish that they would just throw that in the bin. Because this film, if this had been 50 minutes, you know, like like you think like your old like Charlie Brown Great Pumpkin special, you know, yeah. it's that's not really a TV show or a movie. It's just what it is. And I feel like this could have been better if they had done shorter without needing to to fill it in so much. Hashtag release the B Dizzle cut. <laughs> oh, I'll do a fan edit of this movie. <laughs> oh, so will I. It'll be it won't even be the credits because the credits are abysmal as well. It'll be Hubie Halloween. The end. <laughs> yeah, they were they were long credits, that's for sure. 
Yeah. I do remember another part that I laughed at. I'll go out on a limb and say there's one other part I laughed at, which is when he goes to the school and he gives that speech in front of um, all the kids. And then they just start like just pouting him and just abusing him and all that sort of stuff. I, I did laugh at that. I thought that was pretty funny. I bet there were other times you laughed. I feel like there's a lot of just funny throwaway lines. I I, I laughed very hard when he's at um, Julie Bowen's house. She's not there. And he asked the kids if they have a bathroom. And he's like, is it a big toilet? Because i got a lot to do. <laughs> like, I just, that's a funny line. <laughs> Being met by silence. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying, man. I'm really trying. I told myself before I go on the podcast, don't just slip into the Topher shoes. Be your own person. <laughs> nah, it's all right. You can be. You can be toe for every everybody. I did an episode. You wouldn't have heard it yet. I did an episode last week with my wife, and she was basically toe for. She just ripped on the movie the whole time. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's great. <laughs> Hashtag toe for army. One other thing I will say about this movie, and you know, I've since watching it, I was really curious to see what people's thoughts are, and they are very, very mixed. Like a lot of the other Sandler Netflix films, I've seen just straight up negative reactions. This one is really seems to be like 50-50 split with audience. And I've seen a lot of people who are like, yeah, this will make my yearly Halloween viewing rotation. And I'm like, you know what? I actually think Sandler did something smart here in making this movie. I do feel like there is a really shortage of this kind of movie. Like I love just... A fun Halloween, like the idea of a Halloween movie that I could watch with the kids. There are very few of those. Like, I mean, even, you know, like Gremlins is really more of a Christmas movie, even though it should be a Halloween movie. Yeah. Um, I think it's a smart, you know, game to play. I was going to say, like, The Night Before Christmas, that's that's a, like, easy Halloween movie that you can watch with the kids. It's a little bit traumatizing, but at the same time, it's more of a Christmas film. Yeah, it's more of a Christmas film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. There's not too many out there. And maybe that's the problem I had with this film is because it was going for that PG rating, it's sort of like some of the just humor just lacks that bite, you know, just that, just something like more to it, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. And I totally get that. Like, I felt that a lot lately. Like, I don't know if you watched the new Mulan remake, but that that is a really strange one to me because it's like, who the fuck is the target audience for this? Like, it's too adult for kids, but it's way too childish for adults. And this, I think, falls a little bit into the same category where, you know, like kids could watch this, but some of the humor would go over their heads. But a lot of the humor is beneath the head of an adult. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like, I, I feel like if you're a 14 year old boy, you would love this movie. And if you're a 15 year old boy, maybe not so much. I think you, you've got to like a target 12 months here for kids around that age that they will absolutely go crazy over this film. Yeah. And, you know, like like I said, I laughed quite a bit, but I think for me, again, a lot of that is nostalgia. Like if I didn't like a lot of the older Sandler films, like if I was coming into this fresh, there's no way I would like this movie. Well, talking about nostalgia, I did find it kind of interesting how he almost tried to create a Sandler cinematic universe and that he brought yeah. back Ben Stiller from Happy Gilmore and he also brought back the O'Doyle family from Billy Madison. Yeah, it is interesting. I wonder if he's going to... I'm actually surprised that hasn't happened earlier, given how long he's been producing his own films. Because Happy Madison, I think... I can't remember what their first film was, but that was that was late 90s. So we've got like, you know, 22, 23 years of him producing his own films. I'm surprised they haven't kind of tied together at some point. I suppose the only other thing that's been the connective tissue is the You Can Do It guy of Rob Schneider. I mean, he's popped up in a few things. That's true, because he was in Waterboy and 
I think he was in The Wedding Singer as well. I feel and like I it was in one or two others, and then one Adam Sandler actually said it. That's like what I was going to say. Yeah, it was either in like The Animal or The Hot Chick, one of the yeah, one of the Rob Schneider films. <laughs> oh, one of the classic films in the Rob Schneider filmography. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I haven't seen a Rob Schneider film in a very, very, very long time. Have you seen his TV series? Like, Wait, just you're Rob? kidding, right? He has a TV series. Yeah, he does, and it's it's like a sort of, um, I don't know, like a fictionalized version of his life, where it's sort of just following him around, and yeah, I, I've never I've never watched more than five minutes because I, I have respect for my brain cells, but it's, <laughs> I think that's the general premise of it. Wow, that sounds awful. <laughs> it is. I think it's called Just Rob, or Being Rob, or something like that. It's, it's on Netflix, and yeah, I, just curiosity killed me one day. It might have been my hangover. I think I, Hangover <laughs> Sam will watch anything and enjoy it, and I think that was probably what that TV show and a movie like this is made for. Yeah. All right. I think we're at the end of our discussion. How are you scoring it? Uh, is it as bad as Tommy Boy? No. So I'm going to give it a two. (laughs) That is no, that is not, this is not fair. This is not fair because (laughs) I feel, I feel like you are the kind of person who would actually enjoy Tommy Boy, Sam. (laughs) I, it it was brought up on your Tommy Boy episode, but Tommy Boy was the very first movie that I went to see at the, at the cinema where I walked out of it and thought, oh, movies can be bad. Because up until that, that point, as a young kid, just going to the movies, the like the grandeur and the you know oh, cinema yeah. experience and the, the having food that you don't normally eat and you know just just a giant screen, it always used to blow me away. I went and watched a ton of bad films, and upon rewatch, I've discovered a bad. But I I remember walking out of Tommy Boy, one of my mates, and just looking at him and going, "Did you enjoy that?" And he's like, "Fuck no," and I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, thank God, never did I. That was dreadful." That cuts me deep, man. I love that movie. I've been putting together my I've been putting together my favorite one hundred films list. It's on there, man. It's high. <laughs> Please don't tell me it's in your top ten. It's not it's not in my top ten. Oh. From memory, it's in the forties. Oh <laughs> which is a lot lower than Sphere. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, I um, I'm scoring this a six. I I had a decent time with this movie. It was a lot. I had a lot more fun with it than I thought I would. It's not a recommend unless you are a Sandler fan of of the olden times, because um, this to me feels fairly close to stuff like Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison. But it's still it's not a recommend unless you're already inclined towards that stuff. My my comment is stay the fuck away. If you've got any respect for yourself, uh, stay the fuck away from this film. If you've got an open head wounds, you probably might enjoy this. But if, <laughs> if you don't... What, what's that saying about me, man? Well, I'd also like to point out that you just gave this film a six and you gave the original Predator a six. So we're going to have words after this shit has been... Fin- <laughs> after we finish recording. We're going to have some I, words, my friend. I, I generously open my door to you. I you know, I, I give you a call. I say, mate, how would you like to do an episode with me? And this is how you repay me. You slam Tommy Boy. You try say that Predator is good when we all know it isn't. Oh, what? Predator is a classic. <laughs> and we all know what happened here, Billy. You were like, hey, do you want to do this film? 
trick or treat, motherfucker. It's trick. That was basically what you were doing. I've worked it's it out. true. <laughs> I was really thinking, like, what is the biggest piece of shit I can make Sam watch? Yeah, exactly. I, I, I knew honestly, it. I fucking knew it. I, I was so close to messaging you today and being like, oh, I haven't watched it yet. Can we do something else? Just so that I would have had the joy of making you watch this without even getting to do the episode on it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but, I suspected that. And that's why halfway through, I was like, just, just start playing on your phone. This, I, I probably, was, this was, is probably not even going to happen. He's probably going to get to the same point as you are and go, this sucks. I'm like, I don't want to do this. It does sound around that time that I, st- I stopped making notes and I was like, I, I just, I don't even know what to write down. <laughs> like, you yeah, know, when I- you watch a movie like that and you're like, but I think that that's how you know this movie isn't bad because movies that are like genuinely bad, yeah. quite easy to talk about. Movies that are middling, really hard. <laughs> yeah, I... I literally have two notes, and it, one of them is googly-eyed cat, and <laughs> and Julie Bowen gets horny for this guy, really, and that's it. Those, those are my only two notes. I would like to point out that, uh, similar to you trying to make me watch this, I did play a trick on my wife and um, my mate Kahu, who's staying with us at the moment, and by, uh, whereby I basically said to them, I need to do, I'm just about to go record a podcast on this film. And I chucked it on just to refresh myself for the first 20 minutes. And then I just walked out and I left the two of them watching it. And I'm pretty sure they're still in there watching it right now. Probably going, Sam, you flipping asshole. I was just going to ask if you made Stacey watch it. Nah, nah. Stacey's actually got self-respect. I'm going to message her after this. I bet she loved it. <laughs> Hated it. Hated it. She was on her phone before I left. It was the Stacey challenge. How quickly can she get on her phone and, you know, like completely ignore the movie? Four minutes. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Why don't you tell the good people where you can find your wonderful show? Oh, yeah. If you'd like to hear me actually be happy and enjoy the film I'm talking about, come over to Movie Reviews and 20 Qs, where quite often we pick good films that people really enjoy and we throw 20 questions at them. So, for instance, we had these two, these two being Billy and Topher, had them on for Die Hard with Vengeance. That's an episode if you want to get some more of them, where we talk about the amazing action film that is Die Hard with Vengeance from the 90s. And, but otherwise, yeah, basically take a f- film, throw 20 questions at it, see what comes out, try to have a whale of a time, and that's basically it genuinely one of my favorite shows like especially like with COVID I have found that I've dropped off podcast listening a little bit because you know not commuting as much and stuff but it is one of those shows that I make an effort to to keep up on because it's 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 just great fun and I love when you and Stacey are together um it's just yeah one of my favorite things in the world is listening to you guys talk it just it feels like you're at home it's very oh <laughs> not creepy at all but thank you <laughs> thank you so much for joining me this week and filling in for tofa who is just completely slacking off god knows what he's up to yeah. um but yeah in the meantime if you want to get in touch with us you can do that at we watch thing.com or we watch thing at gmail.com you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter all under the handle at we watch thing if you want to help support the show you can do that at patreon.com forward slash we watch thing and i at least will catch you next week maybe tofu will be with me who knows no idea what we're doing catch you then bye